Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com backslash Grace P. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grace P. And you're in Arkansas, right? Yes. Okay, yes. cool. I'm um, I'm actually moving to South Carolina here in October. Oh, so nice. I, I was, Sophie and I were just there last week and talking to a couple people and they were like, oh, does it, does it really get that cold in Wisconsin? Like negatives? I'm like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, it does. Hence why I'm moving here. <laughs> One of my, oh, I guess it was in Charlotte. I was going to say it was South Carolina, but it wasn't. It was in Charlotte. One of my funniest airport happenings was in Charlotte. I got off the plane and I like fell asleep. I was flying from one event to another event. I was exhausted. I get to Charlotte and I stand up on the plane and I'm like disoriented because I fell asleep and I'm getting my bags out and I look through the window of the plane and there are piles of snow on the tarmac. And I'm like, where am I? Because I know I'm not in Charlotte. Like <laughs> I do not know where I am on the map. So I like get my luggage and I'm like, I have an event to be at, like, how, what do I do next? And so I like sit down at the gate in the airport and I pull up Google Maps to see where I am because I don't know. <laughs> and I'm in, I am in Charlotte and they'd had like record snowfall. Oh it's like my the God. of November. This had never happened. And there's like 10 feet of snow piled right next to the airplane. But I had this moment. So anyhow. That, that I, is I don't so know. I'm flying from one coast to the other and I don't know where I am <laughs> that is so the funny. only time in my life I've had to say you know Siri where am I yeah and I was oh. not drinking or anything <laughs> yeah. no that yeah that I probably would have questioned that too yeah but it is really rare there it's you know that yeah. was like a once in a hundred year occurrence and you know in Charlotte like I said but South Carolina too it's so mm. nice it's yeah really- yeah, I'll take anything over our six plus yeah. month of winter. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's the duration. It's not yeah. even just the temperature. It's the duration. Yeah, you know, we've been planting and seeing flowers and green grass and trees here for two months. Mm-hmm. And I'll see, you know, oh, it just snowed again in Telma. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, my sister was like, oh, aren't you going to miss like Christmas? I'm like, well, one, I'll probably come home for Christmas. Right. Two, right. like. I'm fine with having snow in December. It's when it's like January, February, March, April. <laughs> yeah, like we get to my mom's birthday and it's still snowing. Like, right. 
last year we went golfing and this year we can't do anything because we just had a snowstorm <laughs> yeah yeah but, my birthday's the beginning of may so and hers is at the end so yeah. i know yeah we were always hoping the snow would be gone we were so jealous of people who had summer birthdays mm-hmm. which now i do yeah you know now my birthday is in the summer <laughs> exactly <laughs> just, right i didn't have to move the birthday i just had to move my physical location yeah exactly uh, crazy. um um but for everybody listening this is kara kara is um, one of my mom's childhood friends, actually. So she grew up in the same town that I grew up in. And Kara is an author, um, a motivational speaker now. And you started in com- computer coding or something like I that. I know, right? Yeah. Unexpected. Yes, I was a software developer for 20 okay. years. Okay, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what that's what I thought. So Kara came up um, basically after she built a house from scratch with her kids And, um, I do want to talk a little bit about that, but I'm really interested in like a lot of other things in your life. And I know that was the biggest thing. And like rise was an an incredible book to read. I, I read it in less than a week. I absolutely loved it. I was taking notes. Um, but you have other books as well that you uh, had written before that. And when I read that you were doing the coding stuff, I was like, hold on, how do we get, how do we get to this? Um, so can you kind of walk me through that? Like what, how did you, did you always want to write? Like, how did that become a thing for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect place to start because I mean, it is chaotic. Um, when you look, look back at your life, I think at my age and you look back at the different things that you've done and it looks really chaotic and like, there's not a connection between them, but of course there is, there is a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the, the things that I look back on and see, yes, I started in computer science, but for all the wrong reasons, um, the big mistake I made that I would change in my 20s is that I thought that I had to wait until I was old enough or until I knew enough things to go down the path I really wanted to go down. Yes, I always wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to write books. I loved reading and I was a voracious reader. But I thought, I mean, I can't start writing in my 20s. Obviously, you know, I have to wait until I know more about the world, about myself, who would listen to me writing in my 20s. -hmm. When obviously what I should have started doing is writing in my 20s. Yeah. Um, But I didn't. I kept saying, okay, I'm going to do that. Here's the key. When I'm ready. I'm going to do that when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most ridiculous thing anyone ever said in life. So um, I did went the computer science route because it was, um, it, it has a creative element. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like a very analytical job, but there's a very creative side in developing software from scratch and user interfaces and um, figuring out how people will go through the story of a piece of software, you know, how mm-hmm. they will use it in their daily lives. So I did that for 20 years because I mean, it paid the bills, right? You know, it was a job that paid the bills until like I had enough experience, life experience to do the thing I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and then along the way I did, I was writing on the side and publishing um, first you know, middle grade books and young adult books and then eventually adult mm. books. I have nine books now. My ninth book just came out in April. Um, but that was, that is not the right way to do it mm-hmm. um, from a focus standpoint. Had I said, okay, I want to be a writer. And yeah, maybe I can't write the great American novel at 20, but I could have focused Mm. more on that direction. Um, Now I approach everything in life differently in that start before you're ready mindset. 
start yeah. long before you're ready mindset um and that idea of you don't have to know how to do the whole thing to take one step mm-hmm. and it, because we have a fear of failure we so often do that we're all like I don't want to I don't want to start writing a book because I don't know how to write the end of a book and then how do I get it published and how do I find an editor and how and we think 25 steps ahead when write the first word write the first chapter keep going and you'll figure it out as you go yeah. And, you know, that that ended up being the way that I decided by the time I got to the point of building a house, I had been a de- software developer for years, I had written several books, and I ended up in a really bad place. Um, I had four kids, mm. and uh, became a single mom after leaving a really bad domestic violence situation. And my kids and I needed a house. I had no idea how to build a house. Um, but YouTube was a at that time, brand new mm-hmm. website back in 2007 <laughs> and um it was a new mentality of hey figure it out it was a figure yeah. it out mentality that these how-to videos kind of threw at us in a way of step by step here's how you can do anything mm-hmm. um so I made this little bit of a crazy decision um to use the YouTube videos to build an entire house yeah and not a small one a 3,500 <laughs> square foot one um, yeah two stories, five bedrooms, um, three car garage, kind of the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. But that, I mean, we, we can go into more detail, but that in a nutshell is kind of the 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 crooked path that took me mm-hmm. from software developer to book writer to house builder. And then from there, um, people started calling and saying, you know, that the book had been optioned for film and TV and um, reality TV after I, I finished building the house and writing the book. And mm-hmm. um, and then conferences started calling and asking me to speak. So that all joined together. And now I get to do two things that I love um, yeah. full time. Writing is still part of it. Um, I want that to be a bigger part. I always want that to be a bigger part. Mm-hmm. But um, I love speaking too. Um, right. I didn't expect to. I didn't expect to. Obviously, I was a very behind the keyboard kind of girl. Mm-hmm. software developing and and um also writing are very much off the stage professions but mm-hmm. I, I love speaking too yeah I there are so many things on my mind right now but that was probably one of the most reassuring stories I have ever heard because in your 20s like especially right now the pressure is is so high And it's been something I've been trying to get away from for especially the past year, two years. I mean, I'm only 23. I feel like I've been in my 20s for 10 years at this point. (laughs) But it's so it's so reassuring to hear you say, like, do it before you're ready. That is the biggest thing that I feel like everybody is stuck on right now is, well, I got my degree for this, so I might as well do this for now and then figure it out down the road. And that's just never been my mindset. But I had a really hard time finding people that were like, yeah, this is how I did it. Or yeah, don't do that. Or your degree, it's a piece of paper. Like you can do so many other things with it. But you mentioned something that I actually had in the back of my mind the whole time I was reading your book. You didn't just build a house. You built a huge house. <laughs> like you built a big house. And I I thought first like when I when it first came to my mind I was like, okay, it's one thing to build a house from scratch on your own with just YouTube videos. It's another thing to build a house with five bedrooms, two stories, all of that. So, 
what like you you could have easily just built a house that would have made it that would have just given you somewhere to live so what was that like thought process what was that mindset around no if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do it right because today most people don't have that (laughs) yeah it's a really important thing I mean there's a really important reason um, in psychology that I made that decision and I didn't fully understand it at the time but now I can explain exactly why so um, I had lots of options. It's not like the only option I had was to build a house, right? I could have borrowed the money from the bank and bought like a fixer upper, you know, that was already a structure and we could have tried to remodel that and, and that would have been easier. Mm-hmm. Or to your point, we could have bought a, built a much smaller house. I mean, my kids were 17, 15, 11, and two. So two of them are about to leave home, right? I'm building them a whole brand new bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're my work crew. And and that's part of the key. They were my work crew. Um, my kids and I had been through a, a terrible trauma together and we were mm-hmm. trying to recover together. And we needed something to motivate us to do that. Mm-hmm. How inspiring is it to build a small cabin somewhere that you're all going to be crammed in and on bunk beds? Mm-hmm. How are you going to get your teenagers to get up every day and show up at a construction site to build a house they don't want to live in? Mm-hmm. How are you going to get them to get up in a house that's in terrible shape, it's in terrible condition, and a remodel, and try to get up and work on this to make it a little bit better? Yeah. So it turns out from a psychological standpoint, it's way easier to hit a big goal than a small goal. So I approached it the same way with writing. Um, I didn't write short stories. I didn't want to write, um, you know, comic books. I didn't want to write small things. I'm going to write a novel. And this, mm-hmm. Because when I finish the novel, I'm going to have a much bigger hit of dopamine, of serotonin. I'm going to be more inspired and motivated to do the next one yeah Um, and it's going to be easier to show up at your job every day if you love that goal if that goal will blow you away yeah so that's why yeah so what like what's your opinion or like thought process on like the stepping stone goals that everybody talks about like oh it's okay to have a big goal but maybe you should hit this and then this and then this I feel like it's misinterpreted like I feel absolutely I I think it's very misinterpreted yeah um I have lots of thoughts on that um one yes it's helpful to have small goals along the way Mm -hmm. even in a major goal like building a house there are small milestones you're going to hit along the way and those are important and they're important to have like written down I have lists everywhere and I cross things off because Completing those tasks does give you, we have this little motivation factory in our brain that will kick off the next chemical Mm -hmm. that we can use to motivate us to reach the next step. So having those stepping stone things are great toward a single goal and a single project. Mm -hmm. And I have mixed feelings on the um, stepping stone goals as far as, you know, using the writing as an example, it would be writing a short story, then writing you know, a, a novella and then writing a novel. I, mm-hmm. I can see there is some merit to that if you are a person who feels like you can stay motivated for that. But mm-hmm. too often it it becomes an excuse, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it slows us down and holds us back. And we're less likely to put that full effort out. Yeah. Um, your brain will give you just as much effort as you ask of it. Mm-hmm. When we built our house, I had to get a construction loan to buy the supplies. And because they saw me as a high risk, which you can imagine all the reasons they saw me as a high <laughs> risk, 
I had a nine month construction loan. I had to build this entire house in nine months or we would lose everything. You know, mm-hmm. The bank will take it if you don't meet your deadlines. Mm-hmm. If I had gotten a construction loan that gave me five years, it would have taken me five years. Yeah. Right? You're going to hit the goal you set for yourself. You're going to pull from yourself the effort that you need to hit the goal, to hit the deadline that, that you set up. So the stepping stone goals are a danger that you're you're holding yourself back and you're only going to put forth enough effort, you're going to mm-hmm. pull enough from yourself to reach that small goal. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's not enough. We can do better than that. We can yeah. pull more from ourselves than that. Yeah. Um, but I think one more thought on that is that sometimes the big goal you're going for is not the only big goal you want. House and writing are a good example. I did not want to be a house builder. That was <laughs> not my goal. Um, I, I wasn't going to build another house after that. I was not opening a construction business. Um, but even so, there were a tremendous number of tasks I had to learn how to do, skills and knowledge I had to gain in order to build a house. So that was a huge diversion from my actual main goal of writing more books and putting mm-hmm. more into my writing. So we have to be careful because sometimes they're goals that we need or that our family needs and they are huge and we have to hit them and we have to do it in a way that still inspires us to keep going and our family yeah um but we also don't want to divert too far from the other goal right because it can become like a procrastinating working situation where you're procrastinating one goal by working on another yeah um and so the way that I handled that when I was building the house because I I am the type of person who if I'm not working toward my goal I feel guilty you know, so I have to, I have to give myself a way to push through that. If I'm not mm-hmm. working, if I'm trying to relax, I feel guilty that I'm not working and you yeah. know, I'm, I'm yep. a little bit of an overworker there. So I have to <laughs> kind of control that. Um, and the way that I did that with the house is I made sure that the writing goal was still, that I want to be a writer goal was still at the front of my mind through the whole house. Mm. And um, so we named that we yeah. named the house like when it was like a, a mud puddle out here we named yeah. it well manor because i wanted to write books in this house so it was that way of saying like here is still the declared goal i'm sitting now in a big library that i built in the house yeah every room throughout the house is decorated in some way with books with writing with something that has to do with my actual number one goal so that everywhere i go it hits me in the face. I have these physical representations of what I want to be, where I want to go, what I want to do. Yeah. And I went so far as there's a massive concrete sign that we made in front of our house that says Inkwell Manor. I can't drive up to my house without a reminder. Yeah. Um, you know, everywhere I go. And I think having those physical representations of the thing you want to do, big ones that you bump into that you can't ignore. Mm-hmm. Um, are so important and it's important because other people will see them too mm-hmm. and it's holding yourself accountable and committing to it in a yeah. massive way yeah it's almost like having your vision board but like 3d like it's just right there exactly <laughs> you live exactly. in it <laughs> mm-hmm. and bonus points if you make it yourself yeah. because anything that you have put the time and energy into constructing yourself I mean it's actually moving it physically in your brain from one location in your brain to another mm-hmm. and that hands-on work um, that you put into it kind of commits you to it in a new way so yeah yes 
So I don't know, maybe that's too many thoughts about, oh. about goal, about goal setting. Um, I think the important thing is to focus on that one big goal. And mm-hmm. if you're in any way using stepping stone goals or, you know, having one goal that you're going to hit before you go for the other one, yeah. do a really solid self-evaluation and make sure that it's not a form of procrastination mm-hmm. or a form of taking it easy on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like that's a really big like issue, especially in your early twenties with the two goals, like the goal that like you need versus the goal that you want. I feel like the goal that you need is financial stability mm-hmm. and everybody puts that way above what they actually want. And it's so hard to explain to people my age that sense, because there are some days where I'm like, I'll figure it out. And then there's other days like, I have no money, I can't live. And it's like back and forth. But I've noticed that a lot recently with like my move. And when I'm telling people about it, they're like, oh, you must have a great job opportunity down there. Or you you must, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a great job opportunity down there. I got a remote part-time position, health coaching. I like to do that, but this is what I want to do. And the opportunity was just kind of there to move and experience something new, but everybody's like, well, your money you need. And yeah, you do need money, but like, it's hard for people, especially right out of college to figure out like, where's the balance? Like, what would you have done? Do you think like, if you would have started writing in your twenties, like financially to be able to still support it, but not take away from it? Well, I think that I would have pursued jobs that, you know, professional jobs that had more of a connection to the writing world. Okay. Um, Of course, that would have been helpful if I'd lived in another location. You know, if you live in New York or LA, it's a whole lot easier to make writing your profession than it is anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the truth is, um, it's nearly impossible to make a living just writing books. Mm -hmm. Um, Therefore, I thought, well, that always has to be more the side job, the side hobby, but Mm -hmm. there are lots of professions that I could have done writing in. Mm -hmm. Um, There are lots of ways that I could have incorporated that. And, you know, even now, like writing is something that I do that is supported by the other part of the job. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm, I'm writing books and, and I'm speaking on a stage and then I'm signing the books after, you know, the, the books become part of what I do without being the main financial benefit in fact they're almost a wash I mean it's a hard thing to make a living at so um you just figure they're almost like a a business card or something Mm -hmm. Um, they advertise the other thing that you do yeah um but you know there are a lot of different ways now I think it's so much easier to see kind of the connections between different professions Mm -hmm. because we have so many examples that are easy to see I mean if you think if you're looking at what professions exist in the world before the internet um (laughs) it was and and with a really limited I mean you know the small town I came from and the limited visual I had of what professions there were and my family was all from the same small town and they worked small town jobs Mm -hmm. so I didn't have this idea of how all of I could have connected the thing that I really wanted to do Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to a broader financial 
gain. Yeah. So it always just seemed on the side. And when you do that, when you say, okay, I'm going to work this job for money, and then I'm going to do this other thing on the side. And if both of those are things that take up a tremendous amount of, you know, time, energy and focus, then you're not doing either of them well, and you're dissatisfied with your progress in both of them. Mm -hmm. So any way at all that you can merge those two things is helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very, very helpful because then you're putting more of your focus toward gaining the skills and knowledge and whatever, if you look at 10,000 hours from Malcolm Gladwell or however many hours, truly, right. I don't think, I think 10,000 was like a <laughs> tease. It's a hundred thousand. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But once you get 10,000 in, it's a sunk cost fallacy there where you're like, well, I've got 10,000 in, I might as well keep going. Right. Um, but I mean, I, you know, that, that all makes it sound like, oh, it's so easy. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. And I think it's harder than ever for your generation to find a job that is going to offer benefits, that is going to offer full-time hours, that is going to offer a living wage. Yeah. Um, that is, you know, everything from health benefits to retirement, you know, it's just so hard. Um, everything has moved to contract work and part-time yeah. work. And yeah. it's a it's a really, really tough thing to find uh, everything that you need financially, but it's easier to mm -hmm. incorporate, especially skills that are creative because yeah. you have the, you know, whether it's social media marketing, if, you know, if you, if you love the communication side of things, mm -hmm. um, there are so many companies where you can incorporate creative work yeah. in ways that you never could before. And now yeah. we have this whole booming world of AI that um, <laughs> is, you know, we're all going to have massive adjustments yeah. through this, but it's exciting. I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's disorienting. Mm -hmm. it, it can go in so many different directions, but also, it's really exciting. What a massive leap in technology. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think there's just such a limiting mindset in my generation right now. And I notice it every day because mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough to kind of be shaped away from that. Like, like I said earlier, my parents, I could not be more grateful for them and for the relationship I have with them and for the things that I've learned from them. I mean, neither one of them does anything remotely similar to what they went to college for. <laughs> and right. um, I mean, even my mom, like the things that she does and like the way that she finds like possibilities to do her passion and everything like mm -hmm. that has shifted my mindset from I have to do the typical timeline to I can do whatever the hell I want and I can if I set my mind to it I can do it but people my age don't believe that and it's just like I always question like how I mean you like you mentioned it like you grew up in Toma you didn't have like the um you weren't able to see how it was possible like when do you think that mindset switch happened for you like for the people out there that are like, okay, it's nice to hear, but I don't believe it. Well, I, I also had parents who kind of had that anything's possible mentality, mm -hmm. um, you know, on a, probably a smaller scale, but still they were willing to try anything yeah, and change anything. Um, they decided that my mom decided she wanted a greenhouse when I was little, I was like six or so. Mm. And um, my dad's like, okay, we'll build we'll like build this big greenhouse in the back of the house. But wouldn't it be cool if the kids, and this is the way my family thinks it's always, let's one up that let's make that bigger. Right. Oh, wouldn't okay. it be cool if the kids could have like a little swimming pool in that greenhouse where they could like swim 
well that would be cool right yeah so um I had an older brother at the time and so my dad you know lays this out and he starts digging like with shovels (laughs) and digs a full-size swimming pool like the 16 foot by 32 foot swimming pool okay and then there's a little edge around the side where mom could put some plants yeah that was her greenhouse but (laughs) they were like always dying because the chlorine from the pool is getting in them you know yeah um so they dug that and then they built a big you know it was fully indoors they built a big indoor in Toma a big indoor swimming pool that we made off the side of our house (laughs) um but it was that it was that kind of a mindset of Mm -hmm. uh, if we want this we're gonna have to work really hard and we can do it yeah um and that probably not overthinking it yeah mentality of and I mean I take it maybe to an extreme that my parents didn't either but um and my kids try to hold me back sometimes but they pretty (laughs) much gave up I mean half of them will say wait mom let's think about this and the other half are like oh and here's how you can make it bigger yeah um, <laughs> but you know I'll have an idea to make something um, I did this in my dining room I decided I was I was going to make something on one wall that I didn't like because the idiot who designed the air conditioning for this house which was me <laughs> did the um the air return vent in an ugly location so I was like oh I'm gonna do something to fix that and I couldn't think of what I wanted to do I finally had an idea mm-hmm. so I stood up when I had the idea I literally right here on a post-it note drew a picture of like a fireplace surround like a faux fireplace that I could make to put around that yeah vent to kind of make it a feature mm-hmm. I drew it sketched it on a post-it note got a couple of measurements not enough not nearly enough measurements yeah and I and I went to Lowe's that I mean like instantly and I went to Lowe's and I start laying lumber out in the aisles of Lowe's where they know me I'm the crazy lady who does that (laughs) lay things out and um and then I have to like call because like I said I didn't take nearly enough measurements I had the idea immediately (laughs) oh I'm doing this well then you're committed Mm -hmm. and you have the benefit of when you have a new idea that is the best time to take the first step because you have, think of how exciting it is. Mm-hmm. You have a new idea and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And you start brainstorming it and you're writing it down. And it sounds like the best thing ever. Yeah. And your brain and your body are delivering adrenaline, all the chemicals you need to take the first step. And for whatever reason, for many reasons, especially fear of failing in our society, we tamp that down and Mm -hmm. we tell people, whoa, 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 what what do we say? We say, slow down, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, let's think this through, let's make a plan, let's have the whole blueprint before you get started. Mm -hmm. And then if you do that, if you sit down and you draw that all out and you know, you start to think about how hard it's going to be because it is going to be hard. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to cost some money and it might not turn out like it might suck. It might be really ugly. Yeah. And three days from now, after I've thought really hard about that, I'm probably never doing it. Yep. Probably never. But if I get up right then and I go buy some wood and I've laid it out in my dining room, I'm like, this is going to be amazing. (laughs) And you keep feeding you know that like I said we have that motivation factory in our brain that's built it's a chemical thing that's built into our brain yeah and instead of using it for projects we're afraid it might turn out badly so we stop and do all of that planning and the way that we feed our motivation factory now is with these crazy cell phones (laughs) the way that we feed it is I'm going to play a game 
and I'm going to get to the end of that level and then it's going to feed me another level or it's going to feed me another TikTok mm-hmm. and we waste all of that gold yeah. that is created. That is the chemical composition of our bodies of the way that we are fed motivation. We yeah. waste all of that on this instead of doing it on the projects mm-hmm. instead of letting it fuel us to the next level of our job or the next goal. Yeah. Um, and there's a place for all of that. Like there is a place I use it. Obviously yeah. I yeah. built the house with YouTube. I love <laughs> tech. I use all of it. Yeah. Um, and there's a time and place for having a bad day and needing a little bit of a free dopamine hit. I know where to get it. It's right yeah. there on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I waste it at a time when I could be jumping up and, and letting it fuel something bigger, um, you know, we should be aware of how that works and know when to use it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That made me think of something one of my um, coaches said to me. It was probably close to like a year and a half ago. And it it has, I have it on a sticky note and I have that sticky note where I can see it every single day. And he was like talking to us about like um, building a business or building, you know, the goal that you have. And he said, what would you do if today was your last chance? Like, what would you do if you knew that this day was the last chance that you had to make A, B, or C work, what would you do? And obviously everyone's like, oh, I would do everything I could. He's like, well, you have to live every single day like that. And the minute that you want something, you have to work towards it every day with that mindset. And that made me think of that when you were talking Mm -hmm. about like, when the motivation is running, you have to take Use off with it. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fuel. It's fuel to do that thing. And obviously you can't be reckless. I mean, there have to be some checkpoints that you put. I mean, there's financial limitations. Mm-hmm. You, know, you may not be able to afford to go to the store and buy everything you need right now. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, there, there are other limitations too. I mean, you have to have some level of skill. You don't have yeah. to have all of the knowledge, but I couldn't come out here and start building a house without having any idea how to use a single power tool. Mm-hmm. I had not built anything large but I'd made a bookcase I knew how to use basic power tools I'd cut a piece of wood I'd pound mm-hmm. it in a nail um you can't fake the skills or you will lose a finger yeah you know you have to you can't <laughs> fake the safety but yeah you can fake and figure out the knowledge of how to put those things together in a new way mm-hmm. as you go you can learn yeah. those things as you go and you can't you know, like again you can't be reckless you have to weigh the you know, when you're afraid to do something, and this was a big thing we did out here on the construction site, is when we felt that like fear paralysis and we felt yeah. stuck and we have to build this big diagonal wall out here and none of us know how to do it. And we're all bad at geometry and no one wants to make a move. Yeah. Um, you know, I learned how to recognize when I saw that setting in and I would say, what's our worst case scenario? Mm. And the first couple of times I asked that the kids are like, you know, my son Drew would be like, Oh, an airplane engine could fall out of the sky and crush us. That's our worst case scenario right now. You know, ridiculous. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And like Jada would say, well, you could cut off your left arm, you know? Okay. Well, if that's a true possible risk right here, then I need to learn how to properly use the tools and take the safety precautions. Yeah. You know, that that's yeah. a valid point. Yeah. Um, But then we got, you know, a lot better at this game and to say, what is the actual most likely thing to happen right now if I take a piece of wood and cut it to build this wall? Mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time, it was that I'd do it wrong. Yeah. And I'd say, okay, then we'll cut it apart and do it again until we get it right. Mm-hmm. If the worst case scenario is that is a do-over level risk, if that's really what you're facing is a do-over, mm-hmm. 
take that risk every day of the week. Yeah. Every single day of the week. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did it over 12 times yesterday. I bet we're going to live through it today. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's how I looked at it. Then even the first couple of times I stepped on the stage to give a presentation when I had no idea how to do it. I'd never even been to a, a conference with a big keynote speaker. Mm. And, you know, people started calling and I, I said, yes, I know I literally Googling how do you, you know, how do you give a <laughs> keynote presentation? Um, and did not do a great job the first time. And I'm like, I had no idea what they wanted. I talked to them about writing a book and that is, that is not what they wanted me there for, but mm -hmm. I was all into writing. So that's what I did. Yeah. Um, and slowly I started to figure out what they wanted. And I had the benefit at that point of a lot of people had asked me to speak. So I was like, well, if I don't do a great job today, like I get to do it again next week. Like yeah. again, it's a do-over level risk. Yeah. I'll keep trying. If the worst thing that happens is I'm a little embarrassed or I don't do it perfectly. Like I've been embarrassed so many times in my life. I've been <laughs> foolish things so many times. Yeah. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, dive in there and try it, do it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you're investing, and I think especially at your age, when you're not investing a life savings that is going to make or break you right. when you when you go out and try something, right? Yeah. You're starting from scratch, yeah. which in some ways feels scary, mm -hmm. but in other ways, it just means like there is so little to lose. Go for it. Um, that's where I was when I, when I started building the house. I had nothing yeah. to lose. I'd lost yeah. everything. I was starting from scratch. And that makes you a little bit bolder and braver and more willing to take those risks so yeah go for it right <laughs> that's 100% my mindset right now especially when I start to get a little nervous or um like scared and um like I I uh, I feel like I do pretty well with like pushing past fear and like not letting it control but it's it happens and especially with this like we got back, Sophie and I got back from South Carolina about a week ago and we went down there and I met my roommate. I got an apartment. I talked to some people about jobs and we got back and I was like, oh, it's, oh, it's real. And that yeah. weekend I was like, I was just like, I just kind of sat and I, I didn't really know what to do, what to think. But then I was like, what's the worst that could happen? You move home, you get down there, you don't like it. You come home then you know that's not your place. And that's the biggest thing that I always try to tell people my age when they're like, Grace, like you're doing this, like how, I'm, I want to do this, but how do I do that? I'm like, if you fail, it's just another way of the universe telling you okay, that's not the way you, you're supposed to do it. Try this, try something else. Well, and I think that it's so important to recognize that if your answer, when you ask, okay, what happens if I do fail at this? If your answer is that you'll come back and do what you're doing now, if that's your worst case scenario, then that means right now you are living your worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Get the heck out of there. Yeah. You know what I mean? If that right. is legitimately my worst case scenario is I'm going to come home. Okay. So I'm living, I'm living at home. I'm living my worst case scenario, you know, go get it. Oh my it. gosh. Yeah. I did not, I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I, the same yeah. thing happened with my my oldest son. He had the opportunity to go to college up in Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh. And he was super excited about it. He's really outdoors guy, you know. He was really and coming from Arkansas to Alaska, it was yeah. it was a big change, right? So he has his bags packed and it's like the night before I'm gonna take him to the airport. And he's like, I'm not going, I'm not going. And I'm like, 
why you know and he's like well what if I get up there and I don't like the cold or the classes or he goes through this whole thing what if I hate it and I'm like okay what if what if that happens what will you do what's your worst case scenario and he's like I guess I'd come and live at home he's like you live at home now you live at home now you are living your worst case yeah out of here yeah go yeah oh my get away from that worst case and not that that's bad. I mean, it's not like, oh, he hated me or hated being at home. Right. Like, yeah. That's yeah. Bad. But, but that is your worst case because there are so many better cases out there for you. Yeah. So yeah, give this one a try. And if it is, if it doesn't work out, if it's not everything, then evaluate like what things about it did I like? What didn't I like? And where can I go for that bigger thing? Yeah. You're going to make the, you're going to make so many connections and see so many new opportunities through this that, you know, yeah. lead you on that path and you're, you're open to it. Yeah, I think there are so many people who kind of travel through life thinking everything happens for a reason, you know, whatever happens, mm-hmm. like there's a reason that I can't see, you know, I just think that that's giving too many excuses. And yeah, you know, I think that if you say everything happens, and I better give it a reason. Yeah, is maybe a little bit stronger way of taking control of your life and saying, mm-hmm. okay, this happened. And I'm not going to wait to see, you know, what, what next thing life drops on me I'm going to take that thing that happened mm-hmm. and I'm going to take control of it and give it a reason yeah I what wow <laughs> that was I'd never even thought about it like that but it it's true what is kind of it's kind of sparked this question what what's your ideal or like what's your opinion on the the timeline that you're supposed to follow in your 20s Oh gosh. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think that there is a I mean certainly we have societal timelines that mm-hmm. we see. Uh, even those are regional, which you don't realize how much in America that differs just from the oh, north I to suppose. the south. Yeah. Those are very regional timelines. Yeah. Um, which right away should tell you they're irrelevant. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're not even the same in our country, let alone globally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I've always had a very different kind of timeline for my kids and I based it on my grandmother Mm -hmm. Um, I was really close to my grandmother she grew up during the great depression uh, when she and her her sisters when they were 13 out of the house in fact her younger sister was 12 by 13 the parents couldn't afford to keep them anymore they were out of the house and they went and got a job and this was in Toma Um, they went and they had to work for a local family where they took Mm -hmm. care of their kids cooked their food and eighth grade they were done they were done with school um, and they were on their own from that point forward and that seemed so harsh to me I can remember when I was 13 going she's like (laughs) please mom let me stay yeah um you know thinking like how horrible that was but then I started thinking like historically you know human race historically well that's Mm -hmm. a lot more the timeline that human beings have right Mm-hmm. puberty like that's it you're kind of on your own um you have your own family in your own space is how it went you know in the village um or in the cave yeah. is how it went so really that is more of a typical timeline so what I did with my kids is when they hit 13 I was like okay you're grown for all intents and purposes through the history of human beings you are adultish mm-hmm. and so from this point forward you do all your own laundry you make your own decisions obviously you still live in my house and I cover everything Mm -hmm. but now you have five years under my observation to Mm -hmm. learn how to be an adult but from this point you're helping with meals everything like you are an adult in my household Mm -hmm. um 
So I think that I thought of them that way from 13 on is how we yeah. did it. And, um, and they were very independent. I mean, they did have to build a house and work as a work crew. And, yeah. you know, they, they were very independent. And then beyond that, like, everybody has their own path. Mm-hmm. every single person and it's not a path that is preordained it's not a path that is there and you know you're falling down it it's right. a path that you get to create mm-hmm. and you have one life not a dress rehearsal you're yeah. not just practicing this is your actual life mm-hmm. and you are choosing those paths yeah and they do not have to meet any I mean if you want to be a cat mom be a cat mom If you want to someday get married, get married. If you want to have children, have children. But none of those things are on a timeline that have to be met um, or ever have to happen at all. And you will still be a very happy and fulfilled person because you are creating this path. Yeah, I like that. You are creating it. I think especially with like social media now, it's so easy to get caught up in, oh my God, they're my age and they're doing this or all my friends are getting engaged and then married and having kids and I'm supposed to get a job right out of college. And for me, I was just way too overwhelmed after I graduated to even think about any of that. And then I just ended up not going down that path and staying off of it. But a lot of people are just so focused on graduate college, get a career, find the person you're going to spend the rest of your life. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to find the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with at age 22. No, no you're not. Actually, no. Um, and the, the odds of you actually spending the rest of your life with them, if you find them at, at 22, are really, really low, actually. So oh no, don't God. do that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, yes, there are some elements of social media that can make you feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a lot more elements of social media certainly this is the maybe the algorithm that I have the the things that are thrown my way yeah um that show that no everybody Mm -hmm. is not doing that Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are not doing that and like oh poor me I'm not on that path they're like oh thank goodness I got this other path and I am so happy I'm on this path (laughs) right um you know that they're they're not just okay with it but Mm -hmm. you know people are more independent and the fact that because of TikTok, where you're seeing all of these people say, wait, no, this is this is actually me, anyone else? And you see that 4 yeah. million people are going, yeah, me too. It, there isn't a single, there isn't yeah. a single way. Um, so yeah, I, draw I, your own path, however you yeah. want it to go. 100%. And most people, um, as much as I'd like to say, you're going to set a goal and it's going to be straight down there. No, it's going to be, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be windy and it's <laughs> going to be a roller coaster. And, you know, when I wrote rise, I had a really hard time figuring out a structure for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this does connect, I promise. Yeah. Um, I had a hard time figuring out a structure and I tend to want to tell things. I want stories to be lovely where they start here and they mm-hmm. have a nice, a nice story arc and a climax and they come to a conclusion, but, mm-hmm. um, but, but life generally doesn't, it really isn't that pretty novels can be, but real life really isn't that structured. Yeah. And, and I also didn't want to structure it in a way where I'm going to dump a bunch of really negative stuff on you in the beginning, because you're never going to make it to the house building if I start <laughs> right. that way. Like, I'm I'm not going to make it there. Um, so I'm not going to ask a reader to do that. 
So mm-hmm. I ended up thinking, well, what is life really like? And I immediately thought it's a, it's a roller coaster, right? It's up, down, it's rise, fall. And yeah. it, whenever things are going really good, that's fantastic. But you know, they're not going to keep going that way. They're going to be bad. Mm-hmm. They're going to get bad. And then mm-hmm. when you know when they're really bad, it's okay. They're not going to stay that way. They're going to be good. Yeah. And so I ended up using that as the structure for the book. I did every other chapter rise and fall. Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly consecutive. Um, you know, the, a lot of the fall chapters are more of a flashback. Yeah. But they are in between the rise chapters. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, it was that idea of, yeah, things are bad, but then we find ways to yeah. pull ourselves up, to build ourselves out of those and rise up to the, the good times. Yeah. Um, every time something knocks us down. So that rise and fall structure really kind of spoke to how I felt about, um, you know, about how, how life is, how the reality mm-hmm. of it, you know, when we yeah. bought the house and finished I had this idea and I think I had it for way too long. Um, I think I should have matured out of it earlier. I had this idea that life would cut you breaks. Like if you worked Mm. really hard at something, like it would just like, okay, let you coast for a little while, you know? And I even felt that way when we built the house. I thought, you know, this is, it was brutally hard. I cannot even explain how brutally hard it is to physically build an entire yeah. house with small children. Yeah, It was brutally hard. Everything hurt all the time. Everything was bruised. Everything mm-hmm. was dirty. And um, everything was dangerous. You know, it was mm-hmm. this pressure. Yeah. And, um, but I thought if we just do that for nine months, then like, we're going to catch our breath after that because we're going to have a place to live everything's going to be nice. I'm going to have more time to spend with my parents, with mm-hmm. my kids, and everything's going to be good. Mm-hmm. We finished the house. And the day I tried to move into this house, I get a phone call and my mom died. Yeah. Completely unexpected. Um, and there's, there's that thing, right? There's that mm-hmm. rise, there's that fall. Mm-hmm. But because of the way that my kids and I had joined together to build this house the ways that we had learned each other to take care of each other yeah to it was a well-oiled machine everything that we had to manage that was unbelievably hard after that yeah um you know and that also was one of the reasons that when I was I found the structure for the rise and fall structure because when I was looking at the end of that book but geez how do you tell that how do you you want the Hollywood happy ending, yeah, you yeah. know, and like when we're writing a film script, that's what we write, but, yeah. um, but you know, not, not always in real life. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you, life is going to throw another hard one at you sometimes a lot sooner than you think you're ready for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's how it works, but uh, so it won't be a straight path from here to glory, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, it, you know, have mercy on yourself as you yeah. go. And recognize that sometimes you'll be at the the top of those and sometimes you'll be at the bottom. Yeah. I, I think a lot about that kind of stuff with like a, like a softball metaphor (laughs) because I played softball my whole, but my, one of my coaches always said like, as long as you don't strike out looking. And I thought about that earlier this year, I was, I was all over the place. I um, ended like a five-year-long relationship and I lost my job and I decided I was going to move and like all of these things were all over the place and I kind of thought back to that and I was like it's okay like it's okay that you're getting a curveball and a rise ball and 
a change up as long as you don't strike out looking you just have to keep swinging and I I feel like that goes yeah so well with like the rise and the fall because sometimes Mm -hmm. you're gonna get a fastball right down the middle and it's gonna line up and it's gonna go but sometimes you're gonna swing and miss over and over and over again but as long as you don't just watch it happen you're always gonna come out on top and I really liked the way that you wrote the book in that sense I feel like it was a really good balance and like yeah like the house building was like all the glory but then you kind of go back to okay like life is gonna go like this yeah yeah and you have to know why right um it's not a a normal or sane thing to do yeah pile your kids up and say okay (laughs) let's here's a hammer and a nail gun and let's go get this yeah um so a lot of times when you take some kind of an extreme action like that it is because it was preceded by some extreme negative action yeah i mean you could even say that in your life right now right that you have a bunch of things happen that were you know maybe not terribly traumatic but in some ways they were they really threw you and um knocked you off the path that you thought you were going on and they all happen at once Mm -hmm. and sometimes you know the reaction to that I now I don't know which way to go you feel that restless feeling yeah and you know that restless feeling is an absolute gift that we get to let us know hey it's not okay where you are right now like you need to move you need to be doing something different yeah Um, and sometimes we feel that at a time when everything went wrong and Mm -hmm. sometimes it comes out of the blue like we think everything's fine like everything's okay um and then all of a sudden we get that kind of restless feeling in our gut and we're like what yeah. it means like you're not reaching far enough you're not yeah. doing it you should be doing more like right. you get too comfortable yeah um, exactly you know reach a little further you can do something bigger and something more than this so mm-hmm. I mean you're at the you're right at that little split <laughs> in the path there where yeah. you're making those decisions and there are no wrong decisions except you know the dangerous you know, very dangerous or very illegal ones right <laughs> there are no wrong <laughs> decisions here <laughs> in the path that you take or I guess the lazy ones too yeah you know, you're just like hey I'm just gonna kick back here and get a job at the grocery store and and you yeah. know not not be working on some other path at the same time some other yeah. big goal at the same time then yeah and that's a wrong path too yeah absolutely um all right I don't wanna I wanna stay to our 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 timeline but I'm enjoying <laughs> this so much um to oh, kind of uh, like wrap us up mm-hmm. do you have like a piece of advice or something you would say to me people my age people in their young 20s that you know we're we're trying we're striving for something just a little reassurance or advice anything like that I think I think I'd end it kind of where I started it. Um, start before you're ready. Yeah. And just remind yourself continuously. You don't have to know how to do that whole thing in order to take that one step forward. Yeah. Go for it. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, where can everybody find you on social media, your books, all that good stuff? I'm easy to find. Everything's my name, Kara okay. Brookins. Um, everything's on my website and all the socials. Perfect. So in anywhere you are, I'm there too. Perfect. Awesome. Um, all right. So I will uh, put all of that in the notes for everybody. Make sure you go check Kara out. But again, thank you. Um, and yeah, we will end it off there. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to check Kara out on her website, like she mentioned, and I would highly, highly recommend reading her book, Rise, all about the journey that she took building her house with her four kids. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, don't forget to share if you found something valuable from this um, and to give us a little rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you're listening. I appreciate you so, so much, and I will talk to you guys next week.